1: there's no limit to what i can imagine <laughs> hello welcome how's it going that's what i'm starting with okay for everyone to be like wait what what's going on sure let's uh let's oh, start with the most important part of the preamble that i have
0: great what's it gonna be <coughs> yeah you choked you just choked, choked yourself
1: because <laughs> it's so important okay i made the best batch of cinnamon rolls really? I, You're calling it. I redeemed myself the best batch I've ever made. Not the best batch in the history of cinnamon Got rolls. Got um, mm-hmm. For those of you who are cinnamon roll aficionados, there are really two types of cinnamon rolls. Do you know what they are?
0: Good ones and bad
1: ones. We have wet and we have dry. Oh, dear. So a lot of wet. times when you go to like a coffee shop and yeah. you, they have a cinnamon roll there, those are mostly dry and really because they kind of have to be. Sure. But there's an exception of buying a cinnamon roll out that's wet. What's and- a
0: Cinnabon? That's a wet one.
1: That's a wet one. Cinnamon is the quintessential wet, wet cinnamon bun.
0: I am so uncomfortable <laughs> with the idea of a wet cinnamon roll, but I'm going to I'm going to roll with this. What um, about a
1: wet cinnamon roller? You know, like one of our <laughs> listeners who's in a pool.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 in a pool. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel great about it. Uh, Refreshing. So,
1: so anyway, a lot of my cinnamon rolls really kind of fall in the middle, which I'm fine with because I don't want it to be too dry and I don't want it to be too moist. So I kind of fall in the middle. Okay, this, you
0: said there was only two kinds and now you're like, oh but well, it's it just the like middle.
1: that's just like an exception to the the cinnamon roll rule oh, rules. Wow, you're an outlier. For sure. Sometimes. <laughs> this last batch really is in the wet camp.
0: It was so wet.
1: Every <laughs> every time you're doing it, not me. Every time <laughs> I eat one, I'm like, I feel like I went to Cinnamon. Like I <gasps> that's what it feels like. It's fantastic. It's kind of amazing. Like, I. My jaw is jaws right now. you think
0: that your cinnamon roll is, a cin- is as I good as it, a I cinnamon I honestly think a it could Cinnabon. compete.
1: I think it could compete to a Cinnabon. Not. And oh, here's an interesting thing.
0: Why is it called Cinnabon? If you go to
1: Aubon Pan. Uh huh. You've been to an Aubon Pan, right? Uh, yeah, I have. Our mothers love an Aubon Pan. That's a dry cinnamon roll every time. Super dry. Where have crusty. you been
0: to an Aubon Pan? New uh, York. I've lived in a lot of
1: places i'm very cultured and world the
0: only place i've ever seen an avon pan is in new york
1: um uh, okay so that's really the end of the cinnamon roll diatribe that i wanted to share is that I, I made a really good batch i redeemed myself after the crappy batch that made my tummy hurt and for all you cinnamon rollers you out tried there to wing
0: it and you curdled your own icing
1: maybe make a little wet batch of cinnamon rolls you know
0: <laughs> it does not get less weird
1: yeah it really doesn't well maybe it does i don't know i think this would be peak weird of this yeah, podcast sure. episode um oh there was one thing i also wanted to share and i can't remember what it was it was about cinnamon rolls mm. and nope went nope, into the archives it. went into the files <laughs> in the back
0: into the trash into
1: the bye delete you All
0: know right. that sound when you try something to the trash. i sure do yeah. your brain just did that
1: a lot of times we uh, make fun of each other when we have like our volume turned way up and we've turned off music. But then you'll take a screenshot of something, and it's like, <laughs> it's so and loud. we're like, uh, uh, okay, wow, cool that you Got took it. that screenshot. Yeah. yeah, my favorite. What's my favorite thing to do when you do it? I don't know what. Is to take one back. Oh, yeah. Like, I have nothing to take a screenshot of. He
0: starts doing, like, dueling screenshots. Yeah. I'll just turn my volume all the way up
1: and then take a screenshot. And I'm just like, I'm also taking screenshots. I'm important as well to (laughs) screenshot things. Uh, Let's do a little uh, quick reflection. So last week's episode was our 100th episode of this podcast. Now
0: we're into the the triple digits 101 Dalmatians that's us when I started the podcast and I started the thumbnails on YouTube because remember we started yeah. out doing it on YouTube and I did episode 001, zero zero one yeah I I really believed in us that we could get to a triple digit I
1: remember us talking about that we were like should we do the two zeros or whatever I'm like yeah that's yeah. a good little motivator for us to go we want to commit to this we want to do it long term we believe in podcasting we both enjoy this as a medium uh and that to me oh I remember what my thing was. I remember what my <gasps> Take thing Take it was. out the trash. It is cinnamon roll related. Uh, a couple of people on Instagram.
0: Fully. When I shared this batch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went back.
1: Yeah. When I shared this batch because I did a little story because I, I have a lot of baking you, stories. You
0: you actually set it up I like did. a food prop stylist. I really stylist. did.
1: I really did. Uh, I got a couple people that said when you guys travel the world are you going to share cinnamon roll updates around the world
0: like different and, and, and I had
1: not thought of this but I think that's what my gonna Instagram You're going to try a cinnamon roll think, in every place I think we my go. Instagram has to turn into this. I think I'm just a cinnamon roll worldwide taster. A
0: quest, a cinnamon roll quest.
1: That's me. That's my Instagram now. It's no longer Jason does stuff. I'm just going to rebrand roll, it.
0: Well-traveled. Cinnamon well-traveled roll well traveled. Cinnamon roll well traveled cinnamon roll around the world. Cinnamon cinnamon rolling across the globe. <laughs>
1: We'll workshop it. Anyway, that was my (laughs) thought. And I really love that people thought that's something I should do. Yeah. Back to the 100 episodes. We made it to 100. Yes. We did our assumptions about us, which was fun.
0: And then you felt like it was anticlimactic.
1: I did. I really wanted to, like, bask in the 100 episode glory with everybody. And we recently have just gotten so many thankful emails from people about having this podcast continuing to share honestly and openly and kind of being like a refreshing listen in the online business space love
0: that and i wanted
1: yeah i just wanted to share that in a hundred episodes of this podcast we have definitely had our ups and downs with Mm -hmm. it we've tried really hard to make the production value early on like way over the top and that just didn't work out in a consistent basis and there's some lessons there we could probably share and i feel like we've really gotten to a good place now with the 100 episode mark, and I would even say for the past 30 episodes, we've been in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to kind of share, A, thank you for coming along with us so on this journey.
0: thankful for all of you who listen.
1: Two, because I'm going A, two, and then C. Of course. Uh, you, sometimes you just got to keep doing something. You got to keep Absolutely. doing something until you find out like how it's going to really resonate with you as the creator, but then also your audience and what they like. Uh, so that's part two Mm -hmm. and then part c do you have any things you would like to say because i've been talking a lot
0: no i just i'm so i have really come to enjoy podcasting and i think think it's just because i'm here absolutely right okay i just I love you so much That's uh, but i remember when early on when we tried to do the three camera setup and whatever i just remember telling you you know, there were things about it I liked, but the barrier was so high to get started. And I always felt like I was under a microscope because the cameras were on three, as well. Three microscopes, yeah. technically. Yeah. And so I think it took away a little bit of my comfort level in just being able to share my thoughts. And this version where we just sit on the couch in well, the you also, studio. You also
1: had to get dolled up.
0: Right. I so was like, camera ready. Yeah,
1: you didn't ever want to just like, like you are now. You're just in comfies. Sleppy. Could you move the headband back one inch? I'd like to see a little bit more forehead.
0: I like it. I like to position it between my skin and my hairline so Evenly. that it's like... it's like
1: Crossing a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're closing a chasm. Well,
0: I also wear it when I work out so that it... Because that's where yeah. I sweat. And so it like kind could of... I, could I just
1: have like a little bit more <sighs> forehead? Just a little bit. That's and too much. I didn't need hair. I didn't want it, hair. Now it
0: starts slipping back.
1: <laughs> what a weird... What a weird what thing it so just weird. to
0: comment on. Anyway, I just wanted to say that... I am glad that we just kept at it and kept trying different iterations Mm -hmm. because now this version of the setup completely changes my experience of recording the podcast. I enjoy it so much. I don't find it that as draining as I used to. I I don't find it as um, in fact, I, I sometimes I find it energy giving instead of energy, energy draining, which is fun. Yeah. And it's just a fun chance for us to chat. And and also, I have loved the more personality we have poured into it, the more we have shown our weird side and the weird things that we find funny. Yeah. And the more you all have written to us and said that it makes you giggle and makes you yeah. laugh. That's my favorite part. Yeah. When you send us DMs about the weird side stories that we talk about or how things hit you or that, oh, me too. I That happens to me too. Yeah. That is what really fills up my cup. So
1: all nine of you, we've heard from you recently. The nine of you, we're so just, grateful. Y- you know the Jens, the Kates, the Kims, like just the Rachels. All, all I think there's five people left: uh, <laughs> Becky, Sarah, uh, John. Uh, I think there was one Trent. There was there was in there. And then probably, uh, what do you got? Uh, Caroline, you, you're one of our nine (laughs) listeners. So I think that wraps it up. So I just wanted to say thank you to individually, all of our nine listeners. Uh, But no, seriously, it it really does mean a lot. I'm not pandering for you to send us any messages, but the ones that we do get, the thoughtful notes in email or on Instagram, those are the two places, Uh, it just, it goes a long way because it, it helps us just know that what we're doing here, sitting on a couch in your fart studio, literally talking to each other but two people out on into the ether matters and and it's our little space that we get to do exactly how we want we're not trying to grow for growth's sake we're not trying to get to some ridiculous number of podcast downloads we don't care about that at all where we're at right now we just feel really good about
0: yeah and i just want to continue to make the show that we would want to listen to i've joked about it before but every time i go to i want a business podcast that motivates me that that teaches me something new that gives me something t- for my brain to chew on yeah but that also isn't making me feel like i'm behind all the time is not yeah. making me feel like i'm not doing enough i want some, a podcast that makes me laugh i want one that makes me feel relatable and every yeah. time i go looking for that i realize i'm looking for our show
1: yeah and i've i've been telling you about a couple business podcasts that i've stumbled across recently and like it can just be so hard to Get into them because you don't resonate with the personalities of the people who are doing it. You're like, I'm, but I'm interested in what you're doing, but you're really boring. Like, just, like, amp it up a little, you know? Like, I understand that you're trying to be comfortable, but just bring some energy to it. That's what I'm looking for. You you're know?
0: looking for energy.
1: Yeah. Pump it up. Pull the headband back one inch.
0: Pump, pump. Pump.
1: <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: pull that headband back.
1: Make a wet cinnamon roll. Okay. You got this. All
0: right. Yeah,
1: you wet cinnamon roll, are you listening? I
0: need you to stop.
1: Okay. All I'm right. not
0: comfortable with it. I've decided. Let's
1: get into the topic of this episode because we have hit our maximum amount of preamble time, yes. which is 10 minutes. The
0: preambles.
1: And we are ready to share some lessons learned from launching because selfishly and shamelessly, we are about to launch.
0: So it's on, it's top of mind. And yeah. we were talking about this the other day and we thought, gosh, we've done this so many times now. What are some things we've learned? And
1: I was going to ask you, how many launches do you think we've done in total? across Separately or together? Together. Across all our businesses uh, uh, for the past 10 years. No, I'm
0: saying, does counting my own that I've done separately? Yes. Okay. All of them. Every time.
1: Every single launch we've ever done. What's mm, the number? 30. Yeah. I think it's probably closer to 50 or 60.
0: 60 yeah I don't think so
1: okay 50 would you take 50
0: that would have to be like we've that would have to be like five or six a year for 10 years
1: yeah that feels right
0: <laughs> that's not right
1: it feels right
0: I'll give you 40 43 38
1: 42
0: I will not give you 40 41 I will give you 38 this is
1: a bizarre thing we're doing yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is what it's like to be in our household yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Negotiating over <laughs> estimations that neither of us can corroborate with data.
1: Nor matter whatsoever nope. in the great scheme of life. But okay. it's just
0: an opportunity to really butt heads if we yeah. can.
1: Yeah, you like to. Just, who wants you know? to hold
0: the line more? Why would
1: you cuddle when you could fight <laughs> over guesstimations?
0: <laughs> also, throwback to when our episode about how we fight, we accidentally said that we fought like 4,000 4, times. times. We did the math wrong. That would be fighting like every day. For- Thank you. Thank
1: you, Maria. Uh Maria was the one who pointed that out to us. But also one the of rest of you musters.
0: who just let us go Come on like that. Off Come it. on.
1: Yeah, you're too busy parenting that child or walking your dog. You need to pay better attention <laughs> when we're throwing out skills. numbers. Come Double on.
0: check us. Come on. Please. Fact check.
1: All right. So we've got uh, 10 things uh, to share here from our launch experience of 41 launches over the past 10 years combined. Thirty-eight, And uh, I think there are some really good little nuggets that we can impart upon people. And these are things we're still learning too. So Absolutely. I don't want this to come off like, We're the best at launching ever. You know, you need to learn from us. It's more of just we've done it a bunch and we want to share some well-worn tips. Let's get into it because
0: there's 10 here. So, number one, launches can be stress-free if you prepare well in advance.
1: I would say, imagine that. I would say that a lot of people listening to this probably think that's not possible.
0: Well, yeah. Because
1: we felt that way before, too.
0: I would say, out of those 38 launches that we've done, 30 of them. We're just scramble, yeah, stressful scramble fest. scramble fest, yeah. And we, I just thought that's how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to do everything at the last minute and like <laughs> Honestly, really max out your I time. I think
1: 35 would probably be realistic in that. If we're saying 38, if that's what we're agreeing upon, you really think like I? That's
0: I, probably true. Yeah,
1: I think we've had the past two Wame launches have been, have been that's true, not stressful, and then maybe the Buy My Future launch. Yeah, I remember because that was six months of like dedicated work on that project. Totally. Literally every single other one.
0: Scramble fast. Just
1: a mess. Yeah. Hot mess. But
0: we want to share that with you because we want you to know that it is possible. And what we've learned about that, like what contributes to a stress-free launch, just starting so much earlier yes. than you think you need yes. to. Um, and, I mean, we have gotten into a cadence of uh, planning. Like we plan probably four months out and then we start actually working three months out to a yep. launch. And it sounds like really simple advice, but these are things that we just didn't think ahead. And I think when you're in the place in your business where money is maybe more scarce, you're not exactly sure of your direction, it is really hard to have that foresight, right? Because you are just always kind of on the fly trying things, but if we could impart any advice you know wisdom to you it would be take time out of your business to do those 3 month 6 month 9 month planning sessions to give yourself a chance to actually breathe and and plan out these things not just a month in advance i
1: have a little metaphor to share
0: great can't wait so
1: imagine your business your online business let's say you have a online course and you're going to launch your online course and maybe you're starting with like little to no audience little to no content and you're just saying like I know I want to launch my business, right? Let's pretend, so just pretend in your mind that your business is now a coffee shop, an in-person coffee shop. Mm -hmm. If you said, okay, you know what? I need to make money in two months. I'm just going to get this coffee shop open. And you're not going to learn how to make all the drinks. You're not going to get all the right equipment. You're not going to do any marketing at all. No one's even going to know you opened the store. You're just going to all of a sudden open a coffee shop You're gonna open the door one day, you're gonna have like a half completed sign. And you're
0: gonna be like, who? Someone's
1: gonna walk in and go, can you make me a cappuccino? And you're gonna go, huh? I think so. and it's going to be so frantic and it's such an awful experience no one would do that what you would do is you would learn okay i need to get my barista all set up with all the right equipment gotta learn all the drinks tesla drinks for like months on end Mm -hmm. i gotta get all my signage all my branding set up i gotta have my online presence ready need a website at least people know where this is get the hours get a little instagram content going here's some beautiful coffee porn via instagram uh you know shots and stories and you would do that and, and it would take you six months to a year but what happens in the online space Is we do the two month strategy, and you wonder why when people come to your launch or don't come at all, it doesn't work. Yeah. And it's because you've tried to cram everything into such a short period of time and it's all not completed.
0: Right. And that's not to say that you have to have everything perfect or your ducks in a row or like don't, don't, you know, shift so hard to that perfectionism zone. But I think what Jason's saying is right, which is give yourself a chance to succeed. By giving yourself a little bit more space. Also important about launching, which is just a side tip, we always forget that these launch dates and deadlines are completely arbitrary and created by us. Yes. So if you need a little bit more time, push it back. If you need it, you know, that extra breathing room in order to not be a scramble fest, then do that. Yeah. Um, so that's what we've learned. And also, I will just say as a side note, the big game changer for us, too, is having a process for launching. So yeah. Notion has been a big part of that for us. Use whatever tool or app you want to. But what we do is create a project, create all the tasks associated yep. with a launch, you know, uh, update the sales page, test the, do a test purchase. uh come up with an email, lead up campaign, like all these different launch tasks and then literally assign a date to each one of them and break it down over the course of those three months leading up so you know when everything is going to get accomplished.
1: And if you're someone who's like, oh, I just wish you guys had a resource on launching that could really help me learn from your 38 launches, we do. We have a full sales launch coaching session within our Wandering Aimfully Unlimited program, which shamelessly opens next week. You already knew that because you listened to the beginning of this episode. But next week... You can get access to that if you join Waym Unlimited. Shameless. Very shameless. I'm so sorry. It was so <laughs> shameless. Okay, let's keep going.
0: All right. Tip number two. Building in public is one of the best ways to grow your audience before launch.
1: Yes. This is
0: our favorite tip.
1: <laughs> we love building stuff in public. I think that there is no substitute to bring someone along in the journey, creating that connection with them, sharing the behind the scenes, the relatable moments of things not going well. And We've done this so many times over. Uh, We talked about, I just briefly talked about my Buy My Future project, which was basically the first iteration of what Wandering Aimfully was. And I did three months of writing every single week. We shared a whole bunch of branding stuff. We shared a whole bunch of positioning stuff. All the things I was doing, I wrote all these Medium posts it was back when Medium was super hot. And it worked really well mm-hmm. to build this audience of people who didn't even know I existed, but also the small audience that I had could come along as well. Because
0: they get invested yeah, and absolutely. they see what goes into it. I think some people have the mentality the opposite, which is like, Don't pull the curtain back. Don't show them like the messy, as Jason puts it, cords on the ground and the whole thing going on. Only show them the perfect facade because you're afraid that that might that they might lose trust in you and not want to buy. We believe the opposite. We believe the more that someone sees the work that goes into something, the process, uh, the way your brain works as the creator, how much you care, all of these things that actually builds trust. Because they don't feel like it's some, you know, uh, facade that they can't trust. Yep. They they know what goes behind it. And so, you know, by our future, you did that. Then, or by my future, then when we started Wandering Aimfully yep. together, which started out kind of as a membership, we had this full strategy around, we ha- had an entire website. We called, still do. You yeah, can still you can go still to go. yeah, Go to build.wanderingaimfully.com. Yep. If you want to read all of our blog posts, see all of our YouTube videos about, the process we shared week by week, the process, that, oh, a process that we thought would take five weeks and took like five, five months. months. Yep. Uh, but that's part of it. And that was the basically the only thing we did for marketing that got us our first pre... Uh, yeah,
1: 15 customers.
0: Fifth, our first 15 customers, which we did a pre-sale before it was even available, yep. which basically funded those five months of us trying to get it off the ground.
1: Shout out to Nikki, who was our first Very ever first. WAME customer. That's Very right. Very cool.
0: And then that it, it, that's how it all started. We yeah. built from there. So if you are like, I don't know how to market my thing before my launch, yep. go behind the scenes and show people that. I've also, this is something I've tried to do leading up to our launch now on Instagram stories because I'm, I'm really bad at thinking of Instagram stories just because it's the very last thing that I ever like think about. Yeah. But I've been trying to do a better job of just going, hey, I'm already working on, like, for example, this page layout library, which is a new resource we're adding to Wayme Unlimited with this fall God, moment. we're
1: so shameless. So shameless. Yeah.
0: And so I just thought to myself, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to share with people the process of building that. And that's marketing for the fall enrollment. So just take people behind the scenes and, and build in public, as we say.
1: Cool, so that's tip number two.
0: Moving on to number three, a failed launch does not equal a failed product.
1: We see this all the time with our members. We have encountered this ourselves. And what ends up happening is you put all this effort leading up to launching your product. You do the launch and you get either no sales or like very little sales. And it just completely deflates you.
0: And you think- that product was a bad idea. Yeah,
1: this this thing that I was trying to build, no one wants it. And that's not necessarily true. There are so many different caveats to why someone doesn't buy. And you can't apply the one launch experience you have to the rest of your business or the rest of your idea. Totally,
0: because guess what? It could it, it could not be the idea. It could be the pricing. Yep. It could be the number of sales emails you sent. It could be there was something crazy going on in the world and people were distracted. So yep. it could be the timing. It could be there's so many different variables. Yeah. And so I really think, you know, my advice to people is always go back to if, if you do have a launch that doesn't do well, go back to the drawing board. See if you can reach out to some customers. Well, we
1: have that. Is that a separate tip on here?
0: That's a separate tip. Oh, no, you did say you can find these things out by sending a post-launch email survey. So So that's that's the first thing I would do. Yeah,
1: a great thing to do is so you finish your launch, you've sent your launch emails for however long your launch has been. You send one more email, like the day after you're done with a survey that says like, hey, I noticed you didn't buy. Can you let me know, here's some questions to answer. Or if you don't wanna set up a survey, if that's too much effort, just literally have people reply and say why they didn't buy. And you can really learn some important things. And and some of the things that we learned when we did this with Wandering Aimfully was people didn't really know what they were gonna get. The price when it was first positioned as a membership community, it seemed expensive. When we repositioned as a coaching program, it didn't seem expensive. It actually seemed almost inexpensive compared to a lot of other like $10,000 programs. We were putting ourselves
0: in a product category that was making it harder on us. Yeah. When we combined it with our messaging,
1: yeah, exactly. So that post-launch uh, non-buyer survey can really give you a lot of these answers to what you know these questions that you have mulling around in your brain. Which is one thing you don't want to do is do a launch, it doesn't go well, and then just stew about it in yourself and think that you're a failure, your business is a failure, you're never going to be able to do this.
0: Yeah, and then also this is, I think, another way that people get extremely complicated businesses because they try an idea, it doesn't work, but they're like, I still created that, so it's like still floating off in the ether in their business. But then they're like, "Okay, so I got to do a new product, a different idea. Right. Then then you're adding, you know, 24 different variables to the mix and then the same cycle happens again. Then you add another product. Pretty soon you've got three or four different online courses and multiply the variables times four products. It becomes extremely hard and you're overwhelmed and you just. And now your
1: audience is like, I don't know what you do. That's the other thing. And it's okay. We love experimentation. We love trying new things, but you really have to understand Sometimes it's just about taking the one product you have and making a subtle tweak to it, whether that's pricing, whether that's positioning, whether that's really identifying the core problem that it has, or maybe how it's delivered so that you Mm -hmm. understand or your customer understands exactly what they're going to get. Yep.
0: Okay. Moving on to tip number four. So we love a biannual schedule. Yeah. We tried monthly launches for a while, multiple different times, and it just became so much. Yeah. So... You know, this is something that just works well for our business is the twice a year launches. We're not saying that you have to follow that by any means, but that has been a really good cadence for us.
1: Yeah, it's been really good because we it puts us in control as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So we can decide, OK, in the spring and in the fall, we know we're going to have these launches. So then we can back out the calendar from there to go. We need three to four months of prep time ahead of both of these times. Awesome. Okay. We slot that into our schedule. All right. Now everything else around there, where are we fitting in our breaks? So we want to take off in December. We want to take off a month in the summer. So we're really building our entire business calendar around these two launches and that works well. And when we were doing the monthly launches, I know I left a note in here about monthly launches. We would not recommend them, but they are such a great way to learn what actually is resonating with people. So when you're writing certain emails, when you're presenting certain pricing, when you're having different types of like bonuses or scarcity or whatever, what's really moving the needle to get people to buy, that's good to learn in a quicker monthly launch thing. Then you can apply that to a buy your launch because it's very difficult to experiment with biannual launches because you don't necessarily learn enough quickly enough yeah
0: it's like you have two experiments per year and that's just not enough to learn
1: right so you know maybe an idea is to do just set your your own business up for success when it comes to launching and do a monthly launch for three months and you're just going to tell yeah, yourself. Quarterly,
0: e- like yeah. like maybe for 2022, you have this offer that you haven't been able to get the marketing right yet and you're going to commit to four launches in 2022, sure. one per quarter. Yeah. And you're going to try it in the def- You know, Q one. You're gonna set a date. You're gonna see what happens. You're gonna do the survey. You're gonna figure out maybe where the holes are, and then you're gonna you know patch those up for Q two. And you're gonna repeat the process. Like
1: two or three variables. Exactly. Do not change change twenty five.
0: Yeah. In fact, yeah. I mean, the one
1: variable would be great, but one would be great. But sometimes, you know, you just like, I'm going to have to redo my sales page slightly, redo my emails a little, you know, slightly and maybe add something into the product itself. Like we get that because we've been there, too. And it's very hard to just change one small thing and then see if that's the whole. Especially if
0: you're doing quarterly. But yeah, Yeah. I think that's a good strategy if you feel like. You just still haven't been able to hit on what works but you do feel confident that you have a product offer that could work
1: oh just uh maybe people don't know if they're just finding this podcast for the first time so when we say buy annual launches Um, that's a two-week launch, open and closed time for people to buy. We typically send nine emails in that two-week span. And we post a bunch on Instagram during that time. We do our own little ad reads here on our videos or on our podcast. Um, We'll probably mention something on YouTube uh, about it as well. But that's just kind of how we think about a launch. And so we've got our weekly email newsletter that then, like, lets people know that it's upcoming. So uh, as of recording this, we will have already sent an email that had like a big, hey, next week the launch is coming. Here's the helpful email that we were going to send you anyway, but just like a big, this is coming, get ready.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't think this is a tip, but maybe it fits in here. I'll, just,
1: I'll be the judge. Go ahead.
0: Um, I also, one thing that we learned that we did that I think was successful is when we were shifting our positioning from a membership to a coaching program, we knew that um, like we knew, we knew that we needed a way to get people to buy into this idea and trust us for the coaching program but we felt that the $2000 price point of our Wayman Unlimited program which you know is fairly substantial we were like, I don't know if people know what this coaching thing is yet. So we created a buying option that was just six months of coaching. Yep. So creating this like lower tier option where people can almost like try before they buy. Yep. So what we did was we offered that and then people got in for six months. We trusted that the coaching was good enough and so many of them upgraded. Oh, 75%. 75%
1: of 75% people. 75% of people who bought the smaller six month coaching package.
0: Upgraded to the full 2000. Upgraded to the full 2000. Yeah.
1: And that's also because their $600 mm-hmm. went twice Toward the full 2000, so it's like a very natural move. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's a really good additional tip that we didn't write down here, which is if if you have a bigger product or a higher priced product, maybe you need a lower product that leads people into the bigger product, and that can be one of your quarterly experience, experiments you were talking about yep. too to try. So-
0: Moving on to... Tip within a tip section. tip section. Number five, set low and high goals for every launch.
1: This should have been number one on this list, yeah. but that's okay. We're doing these out of order. It's must-do. They're not in an or- any order of importance. This one would be the most important thing we would say because your own mental expectations and gymnastics that your brain will do during a launch, it will drive you bonkers. Yes. And the way to calm your brain down is before a launch to say okay, what is a very achievable that I really think based on my audience size and just like the interest I'm hearing from people on Instagram or whatever, what is the number that I think I could really hit? And- That's your low goal. I need to name that. That's 10 sales. That is my bare minimum low goal. I would just be happy with that for my first time. If I walked away from
0: this launch and I got this low goal, I would be happy.
1: And a real key here with the low goal is it has to be realistic. So if you have- 50 email subscribers and your low goal is 25 people it's not realistic at all but if you have a thousand email subscribers and your low goal is 20 buyers and you consistently see like 200 people open your emails that's a very realistic low goal that would probably fit like right in the wheelhouse of a low goal then you have your high goal
0: Yep. this your high goal is like your daydream goal the goal where you're like okay but, but it's,
1: but it's oh, achievable. It's still achievable. Yeah. It's
0: not like, yeah, it has to, in order for it to be motivating, it you have to believe it's possible. Yeah. That's the key. So for us, we set a high goal where we're like, this is definitely in the realm of possibility. Usually we use past launches to dictate this right like what's our most successful launch we've done in the past so it's it's not too far off from that yeah but it's the goal where we go like oh what if we did that yeah what if it was 100 sales yeah yeah and that is what kind of motivates you through the launch to keep going so you know that if you hit the low goal you're happy you've defined that for yourself but then the high goal is like kind of your what if, and it, it that yeah. possibility keeps you motivated.
1: We had a, a wandering gameplay member join us in the spring l- enrollment, and they were they had a course that they usually ran live once a year, and they were turning it into a more self paced course. And so I was working with them over email and like creating this whole plan of action for them, and. One of the first things I said was, "Okay, before we even get into like all these different things, like, what are your low and high goals for the next launch of this?" And like, "Oh, I've never done that before." I'm like, "Of course, no one does." And so we set those numbers, and and we went through the exercise of like, "Well, how many email subscribers do you have? What's the open rate? Like, let's just how many people buy this normally live? Let's." let's lower our expectations. And we went with like a very achievable, I'll just throw ballpark numbers. I think it was like 15 people was the low goal and 30 people was the high goal. And and they were just like, I would be stoked if I got to 30, that would be amazing. They ended up with 54 people and they were over the moon. Because they had
0: set those bars for themselves. Yeah, and
1: they had also realized that that first number, that low number, that was was like an enough number for them. That would be plenty of money for a launch. They would do another launch later in the year. It would hopefully do the same amount. And hitting that high number, it brought so much joy. And it also just set the expectation so that you don't go, well, I've got an email list of 5,000 people and a social following of 2,000 people. Maybe I'll get... 200 people to buy. It's like that's not a realistic number, unless your product is a very low price product, which is fine. You can do a launch for a low price product, but we're talking specifically about our experience with a higher price product.
0: Totally. And then the last thing I want to say about goals is also setting a couple of non monetary goals. Yes. So, so writing down three things that you want to walk away from this launch, those would be considered wins, right? Yes. Like, I will have my Online course Finally created So I have an asset That I can sell In the future Um, I have gotten One more launch Under my belt So I feel less trepidatious about doing it in the future um i finally got those sales emails written and now i just have to tweak them for the future like i
1: actually sent my email list multiple sales emails i didn't do the one at the beginning and one at the end and then like hide in a corner for the rest of the time that's right i sent like nine of them and i was really proud of those sales emails and we'll talk more about sales emails in a minute
0: yep so that's tip number five tip number six speaking of sales emails
1: this is led right in yes wow
0: People don't hate getting sales emails during a launch. They hate getting sleazy, spammy, gross sales emails. So if yours don't fit in that category, don't feel self-conscious about sending sales emails. Yeah.
1: And one thing that we have seen over the years that is just like one of the things that make us the happiest ever Is people thanking us for our sales emails? They
0: they reply and they're like, thank you so much. This is so good. Or they say like, thanks for reminding me. I almost forgot.
1: And the reason why we think we get these thank yous, because we don't typically follow and be like, hey, why did you thank us for this? Because that'd be weird. Is the honesty and transparency that we use in sales emails. So we don't ever try and do guilt copywriting. We don't ever try... You know, you're going to wish you'd gotten this.
0: You are letting yourself down if you don't invest You're going to be yourself. sorry
1: a year from now if you didn't take advantage of this offer. Open
0: another credit card and... <laughs>
1: Do you want to be a dry cinnamon roll right now? No, you don't. You, <laughs> you want to be wet. wet. <laughs> nice. Uh, but it really is uh, a great place to be when you can send sales emails, and you can feel like, oh, when people receive these emails, all they have to do is make a decision on whether or not it's right for them to buy this product. They don't have to judge, criticize, or anything else about the content that I'm sending them. They can just go, oh, this isn't right for me, but you know, I got this email and it was helpful for me to learn about this product and how it might solve my problem, but I'm not interested in buying right now. And so I think the big point when it comes to sales emails is in the beginning, when you're first writing them, it will be very difficult. But what we would say is lean on honesty, transparency, and writing a sales email you would want to receive. Don't use the gross tactics that people tell you will 10X your sales because it's you're playing on a bunch of fears and guilt. Don't use those. Use tactics that you wanna use and you'll your audience will appreciate those emails that you're sending them.
0: Totally. Also, I think it's helpful to remember that if someone's mad at you for sending a sales email, they just wanted your free content and reminding yourself that you deserve to earn a living using your valuable knowledge and skills so that person can kindly leave your audience Absolutely. and be mad. Yeah. Go be mad.
1: Yeah, and the two two tips there. First one is unsubscribe them. Like just literally go into their account and click on subscribe and remove them from your list. Done and done. We've done that many times with angry people. The other thing that we do, which helps you avoid having those angry people is we have a really clear opt out of getting these sales emails. Right in every single sales email. So we essentially say like, we're gonna be sending more emails than normal the next two weeks, because we have this enrollment period, click here to opt out. And for all of you technical email people, very quickly, that just sets a tag on those people when they click that link trigger in the email. Then when you send, you're sending the emails, you have that tag as a, People, subscribers, do not have that tag. Right. So that's how you can ongoing let people click that link, and it will just opt them out of the series as it goes.
0: Absolutely.
1: For Thanks. those of you who don't. T-
0: technical Ted.
1: those of you who don't have uh, the technical skills, you probably just said, what? What? What?
0: And then we move on. Yeah. <laughs> number Tip number seven. Something will go wrong.
1: Every, every, so test everything. 35 out of 38 launches we've had. Absolutely something went wrong. Let's, the other three? Can you think
0: of some things that have gone wrong?
1: Oh, uh, the website all of a sudden went down. Like our, our host had some type of like maintenance that, that popped up. Yeah.
0: Just this past launch, we misscheduled one of the sales emails, we which doesn't happen two often. Two sales
1: emails go out the same day, which is um, confusing for the people. The launch
0: before that, I had this great idea of a dancing unicorn in the announcement email. Yeah. And the GIF size was too big yeah. that it like broke the sending of the email. Literally, and, like, like we had like a 5% open it.
1: rate. 5% open when rate. When we normally the- have 20 25%. On the announcement email. So that's yeah. good. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool.
0: Um, Something, you know, oh, tons of things broken on the deliverability of the tags and the back because it's a very yeah. precarious back end. Listen, we are very technical, smart people. And yet it's just that there's so many different parts to a launch. So we're sharing this with you to just say it's OK. Yeah. And the whole world doesn't end.
1: Yep. Two additional tips for how you can try and avoid this. Something will still go wrong. But just two additional tips yeah. here. One. Grab a big old sheet of paper or a whiteboard or use your iPad or whatever. Draw out the actual flow of what happens.
0: Every single step.
1: Start on the website, clicks a buy button. Where do they go? Where what is it? What page is that? Okay, now they're on the buy page. When they're on this page, what do they do? Enter their credit card. They do whatever. Once they enter their credit card, hit submit, where do they go after that? What happens behind the scenes in email land that's tagging them or doing whatever? Yeah. Literally sketch out with lots of boxes and arrows every step in the process. Then have a friend or two go through the whole process. Have them check everything. Let them know, where did you get hung up? Did you get this? Did you not get this? What happened? What went wrong? This is the best way to avoid all the little glitches that come along the way. But just know that all those little arrows and boxes, one of them might break and it's not your fault. It's not that like you weren't prepared. It just, it happens.
0: Here's a pro tip. Ooh, that another pro tip.
1: Uh, this is we, uh, tip 7C.
0: Also, if you're somebody who is strongly considering Wayman Limited, I'm about to lay some secret knowledge on you.
1: I would do it if I was that person. <laughs> Trent, if you're listening, you should buy <laughs>
0: uh we figured this out a long time ago if your launch starts on a monday yes for many many years i did the thing of it's 9 a.m on monday morning and i'm flipping over the sales page now the sales page is like don't don't do that to yourself from you know starting a couple of years ago we we open our sales page on sunday night the evening before
1: hey listen if you're if you're a cinnamon roller a wet cinnamon roller (laughs) and you're and you're like I've been waiting to buy Waymond Unlimited. I have been selling. I'm in slinging cinnamon rolls and saving up that money to buy Waymond Unlimited. That's the business they started to be able to jump. <laughs> Sunday Sunday night September 12th
0: that's your cue
1: it'll be up at like 3 p.m. Pacific
0: why do we do that because putting all this time pressure on this one moment where your email list it's going to go out to your email list and they're going to be clicking links don't do that to yourself we also do it the night before so that if anything is broken you have time to fix it we also
1: live in the time of website caching so this is like a thing where like pages and you know whatever and you just want to give yourself time ahead of time so literally the day before it's all up. It's all live. I just
0: gave you all of our secrets. Ooh,
1: I have a bonus tip on top of another tip, which is related to that one. Okay, great. When you're the end time of your launch, do not make yourself stay up till midnight.
0: Yeah, don't make we it midnight. We did this. We
1: did this to ourselves for so many We're launches. So dumb. Monday midnight. Why? Why are we staying up? Let's make it six p.m. After we've had dinner, a full dinner at 4, <laughs> yeah, we've done we our do. evening walk at 5, and we're ready to nestle into bed at 6. <laughs> Let's close it down at 6. <laughs> but seriously, that is a huge change that we made. We do it at 9 p.m. now because that does make it midnight for people on in the East Coast, and we're up at 9 p.m., so yeah, it's fine. easy. But if you're a business owner and you're like, I've got kids, I've got everything else, I'm going to shut this thing down at noon. Like that would be better for me. Do it. Do it. Absolutely. Do it. You make those those calls.
0: And if something does happen during your launch, remember that it's not the end of the world. It, it really isn't. The thing I wrote down is when you're launching, it feels like all eyes are on you.
1: And every step in the process is like
0: it It feels like everybody is watching you, waiting to see what you... Guess what? You are just a tiny blip on the radar of someone else. Do not freak out. If you send an email and it has broken links or, like, it's fine. It's fine. Just move on. You're going to be okay. Fine. Send an email, say sorry. You'll be fine. It's fine. Okay. Moving on. Two more, three more tips. Number eight, have a jickly. Who a jickly. Tell them what a jickly is.
1: It's the uh, follow-up sequel to Geely. Yeah, uh, it's not Geely, it's but the, it's jickly. It's jickly. A uh, jickly is a just-in-case launch item so this is what
0: launch idea but
1: launch idea same thing yeah item idea you interchange them you're ben affleck (laughs) you do what you want and this is something that you have planned in your launch that you don't have to do but if maybe sales aren't meeting those low goal expectations again i said low goal expectations Mm -hmm. then you could do this thing in your launch to help boost sales. But you don't
0: have to do it. You
1: don't have to do so it. So just in case. So the things that we've done in previous years are we'll send an email that asks for people to reply with direct questions about their business and how Wayne might be able to help them.
0: And then
1: yes, Onto- we
0: reply to those emails with personalized videos. We check out the person's website. Yep. We reply to those emails with personal videos from Jason and myself saying this is how we would, you know.
1: Claire, you've done a great job. We love your website. Here are three things we would change three, you know, whatever. And that takes time. It's an investment of time. and time. And, And there were launches in the past where we would essentially carve out like an entire Saturday, literally a 10 hour day, maybe an eight hour day of 15. It's only like 15 or 20 people who would reply. But it took that long to go through the website, make notes, hit record on a camera, upload that video somewhere, then send them a link and write a thoughtful email reply. That's a lot. That jiggly is very involved. So there are other jigglys you can do. You yeah. could do things like jumping on Instagram live and hosting like a 30 minute quick little workshop or Q and A or whatever. Uh, you could do that on YouTube, same thing. You could even have a workshop. If you wanna do a live workshop, we've done that many times during the launch where you go, hey, come and learn this thing. I wanna, I wanna actually give you value for 60 to 90 minutes. Then I'll pitch the thing that I'm selling on the back end of that. But you don't have to do these things. These are
0: jicklies. just in case.
1: So you slot them into your plans, you put them on the calendar as a little potential, and then you get to decide if you're going to do them or not. And what have we decided our past two launches now?
0: We didn't have to use our Jiggly. We
1: didn't use our Jiggly. Poor Ben. He just had to sit we in the corner. We for
0: sure would have gotten more sales if we Absolutely. had done it. But then this is where defining enough for you does not mean you do every single thing to eke out every single sale you possibly can. You just go, oh, I'm balancing a good life and a t- and time yeah. and everything with the sales that I might want. Yep. Moving on to number nine, create a post-launch buyer survey right on a thank you page after purchasing. Tell them about this very tactical tip.
1: Yeah, this one is one of my favorite things that we kind of just like did on a whim and it has turned out to be such a plethora of helpful knowledge for us. So as soon as someone buys, you've got your, your sketched out diagram of everything, all the pages. Well, there's one page right after they put their credit card in and it's a successful purchase page. On this page, we recommend embedding, not linking to, embedding a survey that they can fill out. We use Typeform for ours. And ask a series of questions that help you learn more about them, where they are in their business, what they're trying to do, whatever relates to your product. But the most important questions you can ask are an open-ended, what is the number one reason that led you to buy today? Mm -hmm. Because then you can go back through that, and we just did this yesterday. Oh, so fun. And you can find all the patterns of why people said they bought. You remember some of them that stood yes. out? Yes. Uh,
0: Tea Tree, surprisingly, was a top one. Tea
1: Tree was a, a top one because that's Community included in Community was a
0: big one that people mentioned. Yep.
1: Michelle uh, Rohr. We'll give Mich- Michelle Mich- a Michelle shout Rohr out. Michelle Rohr specifically. Yeah. She's one of our WAM affiliates. And if you know Michelle, if you listen to this, she's awesome.
0: Uh, our Business Philosophy. Yep. People s- mentioned some version Fun. of that. Fun was yep. one that people mentioned. Which like, is kind
1: of interesting. Like... A $2,000 product, obviously paid via payment plan. You're not spending $2,000 right up front. But fun being like the number one reason it yeah, led you to buy, like, yeah, that's you, amazing. For
0: sure. So it's it was just incredibly, like, illuminating to yep. go through all these responses. And we just... Uh, assign tags to each of them so we could see what are the patterns, what are the things that people repeat the most.
1: Oh, and just a couple little additional things about this embedded survey that we found really helpful from our experience. Uh, Number one, if you communicate with your buyers like we do in live coaching calls and in Slack, add, add a little note of how do you pronounce your name Yes. and pronouns is also helpful. Yes. But the pronunciation of names is really helpful because I personally hate pronouncing people's names incorrectly same so this is a really nice way to at least if someone has a tough name you can give it a shot and it it creates a better for
0: sure also people are sometimes bad at saying (laughs) how to so you might have to follow up but it means it means a lot to us because in a digital context when you have a digital product all you're doing is reading someone's name and (laughs) if i told like the percentage of times that i read the person's name correctly is like on the first try is just so low.
1: No, it's it's very difficult. And there are some that are tricky. And then you're just like, I, I never would have guessed that it's pronounced this way. Yeah. Um, so that was one helpful tip that I wanted to ask just because that is a really thoughtful thing. Um, the other thing that I would say, we do a six month, like where do you want your business to be in six months? Mm-hmm. And then I typically put it on my calendar to have follow-ups with the people who filled this out in six months to see where they're at. And obviously we're with them in monthly coaching sessions, we're with them in Slack, they're getting emails from us. So they're usually replying in some capacity, but I'll know the people who I haven't heard back from and I'll send them an email. So I just put this on my calendar every six months after a launch, reach out to some of those people. So I just jump in the survey, look for unfamiliar names, and then I can reach out to them and they feel really taken care of and loved.
0: Absolutely. We are on to our 10th tip, Jason. Is this our last tip? Is it? Is it? Maybe. Oh. Maybe there's a bonus tip.
1: (sighs) Bonus wet tip.
0: Num What did I say?
1: you said make those cinnamon rolls extra wet wet (laughs) (laughs) Wet.
0: with with an h -H w-h-e-t
1: wet burrito at some restaurant that we used to go to yeah you could get a burrito but they could make it wet yeah that was like the grossest thing i could ever imagine a burrito they cover it in like a sauce oh yeah
0: give me no 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 No, no. a
1: burrito is meant to be held in your hands and you peel the foil down and you eat it that's how a burrito cheese
0: is that what makes it wet? No. Queso? No, no, no. You no, cover no. it in queso? No,
1: it's like. Uh, when was the
0: last time you had queso? I
1: keep wanting to say a Pura Vida sauce, but that's not it. <laughs> it's a, like a verde sauce. That's it. It's like a similar sound. You wanted
0: to call it a putovita.
1: Vida. It's a putovita life. Yeah. For you restaurants on the edge fans on Netflix, that will make sense. For those of you who have not watched that, it go watch not. it. Uh, but a wet burrito, gross. Don't do a wet burrito.
0: Okay. (laughs) Sometimes, man. Yeah. I need you to rein it in. I need you to cut. Do you? And everyone listening is like, "Don't make him rein
1: it." Exactly, hundred percent. Yeah. The katies the Sarahs, the Jens, Kim. Yeah, come on, mom. Don't be so. Don't make him go (laughs) inside He's having fun. The sun's not down. The lights aren't on. Like seven people understand what that means. All the millennials are like, "What do you mean going outside?"
0: (laughs) We're millennials, you dumb dumb. I wish.
1: Go on, tip You're 10. You're an old
0: millennial. Thank I'm you. a young millennial. Thank you. Number 10, know how all your content channels fit into your launch. Okay, Ooh, you I like was having this? trouble reading that. But, I, wrote, um,
1: I wrote this one down and I thought this would might be helpful just from like a conceptual standpoint of like looking at your business from a big zoomed out perspective specifically for the launch.
0: Yes, for sure. So we just actually did this post on Instagram recently about auditing your content channels. But as Jason mentioned, knowing what each one like is doing for your launch specifically. So for us, email is the main channel and that's what makes the sales happen. So that's where people are clicking through to the sales page and actually buying. The podcast, as you can hear right now, gives you a deeper dive into our personalities and our style of teaching, the yep. kind of value that we offer. That
1: wet style of teaching we And then, offer. of
0: course, it's also helpful for those little reminders because a lot of you listening right now, you're not in front of your computer. Right. And so, you know, you could have opened up the sales page, but now you're like, oh, that's right. I did mean to go look at that. So podcast is helpful for reminders. YouTube is kind of similar to the podcast, but really is about amping up your personality and showing, okay, fun. It's that fun item that we mentioned.
1: And maybe your thing isn't fun, but it's like some type of personality trait that really like stands out to someone.
0: Exactly. Um, For Instagram, for us, that's all about just touch points. And again, reminders also are teaching style. And then the DMs, on Instagram are crucial yep. for answering questions, making that personal connection, people starting to trust that you are going to be there and it's not some, you know, assistant or team yeah. or bot or something. Yep. And then your sales page should answer all uh, questions and hesitations while also painting the picture of what transformation your offer um, provides. That's really crucial. And then our articles are kind of additional things that people can read. A lot of times in articles also we will – be in email communication with people who are considering joining and we'll send them articles to say, here's a good idea about how we think about content strategy. And we do an entire coaching session all about this. But here's kind of the 101 version, which is what our articles are. And
1: when we do a launch, we can typically see a tiny uptick in article readership, which to me just shows that people are on a sales page and they're like, "Mm, let me go see if I like what these people are about. Oh, they have some articles. Let me click into an article. Oh, this is interesting. Like they go really in depth on a topic this is the type of person I want to learn from. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they click in an article like, whoa, this is too much for me. I don't want this much information. I'm out. Right. Which is great because it just helps them like get this little note of, yeah, we're right for you or we're not right for you.
0: Yeah, so I think a good exercise as you go into a launch is just writing down all of your content yes. channels and saying, In the four or five weeks leading up to my launch, what do I want each of these content channels to be doing for me? Yep. And what do I need to do to make that happen? Yeah.
1: And a good example here for us is like YouTube on this list. It it really probably doesn't relate to our launch that much at all during the launch. It's just good for lead up of getting people to see us, to hear us, to know us. And then during the launch, hopefully they're hearing us in some other channel.
0: Totally. Now we have a bonus tip.
1: Oh, bonus tip.
0: So this one is just about affiliates because um, that has been a big game changer for us. But affiliates came way, way, way down the pipeline after we really had honed in our product positioning and felt like we were ready for the the extra time and energy that managing affiliates can take. But that's just another tip that once you do get your offer and your product dialed in and you feel like you have a good handle on the launch, adding affiliates and people who are going to be advocates for your offer is a huge game changer and it's just doing it in a way that feels really authentic so yeah,
1: yeah. and I, I, the thing I wanted to say about affiliates too we've only done them now for two launches mm-hmm. and the percentage of sales that have come from affiliates has really surprised us and now it's, it's about wild. 50 to 60 percent of our new members come from affiliates right which we would actually prefer which might sound counterintuitive because we're paying the affiliates to bring people in, but it's less work that we feel like we have to do, and we feel like those people that come from affiliates are better suited because they trust those people. They're coming into our fold. It's not just someone kind of like random who found us on Instagram, which is fine. And we love those people, we love you. But that but we've seen over time that connection from someone makes it a lot stronger and makes the community stronger. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I would just say, you know, affiliates are one of those things people might wanna jump into early because it's attractive and people talk about the power of affiliates. But if your product is not really honed in and you don't really have everything locked in, that's why we waited almost three full years of wandering employees existence to then add yeah. affiliates.
0: Affiliates are not going to fix a marketing system that's broken, but they will amplify something that is working that much more. Yeah. So that's our last tip.
1: That's our last tip. Those are our tips for launching. We hope they were helpful. We, in our thirty-eight launches, we have learned quite a bit of things. We hope the sharing them and distilling them into one hour of content. I (laughs) know. I I win
0: this round. It's only
1: because you played along with my wet burrito or or wet cinnamon roll so often. Uh, All right, you want to talk about our two movies here before we wrap up?
0: Sure. What are our two movies?
1: So uh, we've had kind of like a scatter bit of movies. I know what our
0: two movies are.
1: All right. What what are they?
0: They're the Jackal and Bob Ross, right?
1: No, incorrect. Oh. So our two movies are Cruella and Armageddon. Oh, I knew you were going to mess this okay. up. Okay. So next week you'll have to listen to Jackal and Bob Ross. This week is Cruella and Armageddon. Okay. Where do you want to start?
0: Let's start with Armageddon. Okay. I think the most important <laughs> thing that I yeah. can share. Yeah. I, First of all, let me give you some context. I've never seen Armageddon.
1: I saw it one time. Never seen it? Yeah.
0: I think it's more important that you know that I've never seen it. I grew up, when did it come out? Like, 97? 96, 97, yeah. I, what I, the only thing I knew about Armageddon is the Aerosmith, like.
1: Space romance.
0: The Aerosmith music video, vaguely. Everyone knows the Aerosmith song. Yeah. Don't want to miss a thing. And I vaguely remember the video for it.
1: Ben and, and drain Liv. my con- ben, consciousness. Ben, getting lots of shout-outs this episode. I know.
0: <laughs> but when I tell you, my my whole understanding of that movie was like, it's a space romance. Yes. Like, it's a literal romance yes. movie set in space. I go into it thinking that. Yep. I'm like, Me Tyler, Me too. Ben I'm Affleck. on the same, I'm We're on the like, same page. We're yeah. like, it's a space I've romance. I've seen it,
1: and that's what I think.
0: We go into this movie. It is... The romance is so... tertiary to the plot. Like it's not because I get it. That's the whole that's that's why you're emotionally invested. But when I tell you that I was shocked at how this is like a tried and true cheesy Michael Bay action movie. Yeah. I was lord
1: we were watching it was
0: it. a different movie than yeah. i thought
1: we were watching all the time we're like how did this not happen in our classic movie night earlier because we've watched all the volcanoes the and
0: we avoided it because we thought it was independence
1: robots. days like all these style movies thinking this was separate of those it is right in the it mix it is
0: right in the mix
1: uh delightful just a delightful so, watch
0: yeah some yeah. cheesy delightful, 90s cheesy yeah Um,
1: really really pushing the boundaries of CGI and green screen here (laughs) in the late 90s. We're trying to do a lot of things. The meteorite's coming down. Uh, We have some some pretty good practicals of things exploding. Uh, I will say, if you go back and watch Armageddon, I want you to think to yourself, this movie came out, I think, like 10 years before the first Transformers movie Mm -hmm. that Michael Bay did. Mm -hmm. Look at it from the perspective of it being a Transformers movie. Just think about it, and you'll go... Wow, it looks like a Transformers movie. Yeah, like, also,
0: I think it was really... And I don't know what movies were the precursor to this style, but it reminded me of, like, um, a precursor to, like, an Ocean's Eleven yeah. heist movie. Yeah. Because you've got, like, the ragtag, like, group the of... crew coming the together. The yeah. everybody's, like, a different... like. One
1: could argue that that premise of, of a movie has been around for quite a long time before Armageddon. I'm just saying. That's what I... Yeah, yeah. I wanted
0: to mention that. Yeah, okay. But I just yeah. mean that height that high style like of like true
1: quote unquote classic movies probably did that we just don't watch those so we don't exactly. believe in watching movies in black and white
0: but it was fine like it was enjoyable to yeah. watch
1: oh definitely a good rewatch uh fun uh, just really funny at times some... not in writing but in just like what are we doing here
0: yeah there's some um there's a couple of problematic moments but again it's the 90s so you're gonna yeah. get that but, but not just...
1: not so bad that we wouldn't recommend it right yeah just but go a, into a it couple knowing warnings late 90s Misogyny. homophobia, homophobia. yeah there's a little we, bit of we that we don't
0: condone that
1: no no we don't uh also what i think is interesting is when i go back to armageddon in its time there were like oscar nominations throughout the acting of this movie weren't there I don't think so. I believe there were. I don't think so. I think there were. Am I thinking I'll of Apollo thirteen? I just
0: really, uh, yeah, you'd be thinking. I think I think of Apollo thirteen is definitely a different movie than that's this. Gary
1: Sinise, Ed Harris, that crew. Tom yeah. Hanks, yeah, Tom Hanks, That's yeah. that crew. I think there were some Oscar noms for for the Armageddon crew. I'm gonna look it up right which now. Which if for there you. were. It's kind of amazing how that's changed. If there weren't, then my brain is just wrong. And uh... You
0: are right. No, oh, yes! wait, no, no, no. Yes! No, no, no. You
1: you're, said I was right. You're I have right
0: to... because it was nominated for four Oscars, but you're wrong because... They were best sound, best effects, best visual effects, best original song. So not actors, not actors. Okay,
1: well then that makes nobody
0: me... in that movie was
1: getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what was going to surprise me. Is I was like
0: Ben, ben Affleck like, <laughs> gently nibbling the shoulder of Liv Tyler wasn't going to get knocked out. Hey, hey, hey,
1: don't spoil the romance. <laughs>
0: ben, don't do that. Don't do that. What ben? are you doing? All right,
1: so that was Armageddon. What do you give it on the Rotten Potatoes, which is our version of Rotten Tomatoes? Honestly, I I can't
0: remember. Did I? Was it too cheesy for me? I can't remember. I
1: think you gave it an eight and a half. Oh no,
0: no, no! I didn't give it an eight and a half.
1: I think you really like were surprised at how much you enjoyed it. We'll
0: you, give it a seven and a
1: half. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think seven okay. and a half a half's fair. Okay, okay, all okay. right, second movie. We're uh, leaving the classic movie night territory and moving into current movie night. Yes. Uh, which is Cruella, Cruella. With Emmas. First of all, the Emma's
0: really thought went into this with low expectations because yes. people were like I remember when the trailer came out and people were like really standable. Cool, people were really up like excited about this and were yeah. like, it looks so cool and it looks so great. And I was like, I don't know, it feels really out there to me. And like Emma Stone with the accent and I'm just I really am always very skeptical of people with accents, um, who who I, whose voices I can clearly right. recognize. So I went in with very low expectations. Let me tell you. Very much enjoyed this movie.
1: Yeah. I went in with the expectations of, I don't, I didn't really have any reason to watch this movie other than I'm curious to see how the Emmas do in this movie. Yes. And they were great. Because like 101 Dalmatians is not like my favorite Disney movie that I think back to. That's like Aladdin or, um, Aladdin. (laughs) Lion (laughs) Uh, King. Lion King. Yeah. But like 101 Dalmatians kind of falls into the category of like Beauty and the Beast and like other things to me. Like I just am not that interested in Mm -hmm. the story. But watching this movie, it it just, I think they did a great job. It was
0: very creative. The, it was
1: very creative. The way
0: that they built this whole world around the, to get to the plot point yeah. of, like, we have this villain who, like, makes c- coats out of puppies, and that's yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say, dark. Darker than I thought this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, well, don't let your small children watch this movie, my goodness. Yeah,
1: but that's like Disney's thing now, right? Is they are pushing a little bit of like what a Disney movie is. I was just
0: surprised. I yeah. really thought it was like a kid's, it's not a kid's movie.
1: But anyway, uh, I would say walking away from this movie, we both thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not like a Jungle Cruise Disney movie. Like that's a whole different adventure. Yeah, But it's not adventure. that far off. No. It- I don't know that it's a rewatchable for me. Like I don't think I'd have any reason to rewatch this movie. Mm-hmm. Jungle Cruise, I would rewatch it just because of The Rock emily blunt like it would be fun i go on the adventure with them this i don't know that i rewatch it doesn't mean that it wasn't a good movie what do you give it on the potatoes um
0: i also really enjoyed like the costume design and the set design and stuff i would agree so for me personally and my taste yeah i would give it an eight and a half
1: wow wow
0: because I would rewatch it but I do have a lot of nostalgia with 101 yeah. Dalmatians I also like British things Yeah, yeah. I also like like I just I'm, I was like very immersed in the world
1: for execution of the movie story acting set design all that eight and a half for my enjoyment of personal the movie personal enjoyment six and a half I got it so I'll follow right into a seven and a half Totally yeah, fine. Which is what Armageddon got, so they're on the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> same movie, basically. Yeah,
1: that's basically it. Uh, all right, so next week, if you're excited about Caroline dropping the two movies we'll talk about next week, Jackal and Jackal. Bob Ross, the documentary that's now on Netflix. So this is actually one of the few episodes you could watch those two movies back-to-back, which wow. no one does. We love no finding two movies. That, like No one has ever watched Armageddon and Cruella. Never. Uh, so the Bob Ross documentary on Netflix and Jackal with Bruce Willis and Richard Gere, Watch those two movies and then next weekend we'll get to talk to them together. So that would be fun. Uh, Next weekend, next episode. That's it for us. Uh, We got a
0: lot out of this episode. We shared a lot. There was, we could have broken this episode into like, I feel like individual episodes. How many episodes
1: do you think we could have broken into? 11? Yeah. Individual tips for every episode? Yes. Let's do that. Let's scrap this. (laughs) Let's cut out all the times I said wet. Make that into every episode (laughs) of this. Make
0: one full episode of Justy saying wet.
1: (laughs) And it's gotta got to be the, him, guys. It's got to be the same length of time as our normal episodes. Yeah. So just wet. 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 Wet wet wet. <laughs> wet. 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 wet? Wet. Wet.
0: I'm getting uncomfortable. Wet. Actually, I'm liking this because the more we say it, the less it means anything. Okay,
1: that's good. Because really, it doesn't have to be gross. It's just a way to describe wetness is wet. I just think the word. It is weird.